Welcome back to the Spencer Break Podcast, episode number 11. Wow. Parker, how are you? Uh, I'm pretty good. I just finished my day of work, so I'm ready to uh, talk about some subjects and then uh, probably head home and play some Call of Duty. Nice, dude. You just yep. ordered a headset, didn't you? Yeah, so I just well, I went to Target and got it. I spent 80 buckaroons on a, on tur- a headset? Turtle Beach headset with a mic on it. Dang. Yeah, because like Nate plays, my friend Nico plays, Mariano plays, so I was like, I, I'm playing with these guys. I don't have any headsets, so Dang. I made the investment. There you go. That's a smart investment, though, because when you're on quarantine and you have to have something to kill your time, yeah, video games is probably the best way to go. Pretty much. That's what I think. I would say so. Um, so I want to start off with uh, this podcast is brought to you by Burke Marketing, the one and only social media agency based out of Irvine, California. We wanted to kind of let people know that you know we've done 10 episodes so far and we haven't done really any sponsored ads or any paid advertisement. I figured the best one to kind of start off with is ourselves. Uh, Parker, myself, and my employees here, we are a social media agency. We help companies all over the world with social media. So posting to Instagram every single day, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, we help with a little bit of YouTube here and there, and now TikTok. Parker, if you had to tell somebody what, what we do, what would you say we do? Uh, so basic uh, social media management, and we all also offer different services like website design and SEO, um, but mainly we're focused on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all the main social media platforms, and basically we'll act as if we're your shop or your business, and we'll kind of be the, the image and uh, voice behind your business. Um, cause we've been doing it for such a long time now and we've done it with so many clients that we know exactly what to do for basically any, any industry. Yeah. So we help any kind of, uh, restaurant or automotive repair shop, body shop, uh, a service company, a product company, anybody out there, we will help them with posting every single day on Instagram, on all the platforms, helping with organizing photos. And we can also contract photographers out to you. So um, also, if you want to learn about how to do what we do here, I have a website called Burke University. We teach social media uh, pretty much how to get any kind of businesses, whether it's small or big, to manage their social media. If you're already on Instagram and Facebook, you probably know what you're doing. And if you look into it a little bit more, I teach everything, I guess, in a, in, a, in a video format. You just watch a bunch of videos, I teach everything, and then you can go apply that to anything else. So uh, one of the first topics we're going to talk about today is the newest 2021 Porsche 911 Turbo S. Parker, you want to start this off? Yeah. Yeah. So this thing, uh, just like kind of like all the other Turbo S's, it does 0 to 60 in 2.6 <coughs> seconds. Uh, it weighs kind of a lot, 3,700 pounds. It seems like a lot, right? I mean, I don't know what the previous generation weighs, but. Yeah, I don't know. With these cars, it's kind of different because the engine dis- engine displacement is so far back. And yeah. now these cars are focused so heavily on on luxury. I don't know where the weight save. I, I don't think that this is the weight savings car. This is like the gentleman's car. Yeah, definitely. And it has, what does it have? 640 horsepower and 590 torque. Yeah. Which is crazy. Um, I'm pretty sure the previous generation did not have that. Uh, definitely not as much. So it has an eight-speed dual clutch, obviously PDK transmission. Eight-speed is really nice. You'll have a gear for basically any situation. Save a lot awesome. of money on gas. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure it has like a final gear that pretty much drops the RPMs really low. It's probably stretched out super far. Yeah. So your RPMs are probably like 2,000 on the freeway. The base price on this thing starts at 204000 uh, you get standard 16.5-inch carbon ceramic rotors with 10 piston calipers in the front. Crazy. That's huge. That's like what the Urus has, I'm pretty sure. That's insane for standard. That's not even an upgrade. I mean, that's good because you have a car that has this much power and this much capability. you got to be able to slow down. Yeah. Uh, it's a twin-turbo, 24-valve, flat-six engine. 
Like Parker said, 640 horsepower, 590 torque. Pretty much the same thing as the previous generations. It just does everything better and faster. Uh, bigger tires compared to the last turbo, and they run a 315-3021 Pirelli in the rear. That's a nice. beefy, beefy tire. It's very wide. Rear end is 1.5 inches wider than the regular 911. The intercoolers are 12% larger and are fed cooling air much more efficiently than before and bigger turbos. Uh, two of them, big old snails in there. Oh, yeah. I think it looks really good. Uh, the front end, I don't really like the front bumper too much. Um, I think there's a lot going on. It's too much, too many sharp angles, I feel like. Yeah, but someone will come out with an aftermarket bumper that yeah. suits it better, so it's not really a worry. Um, but the rear bump, the, the rear end of it looks really nice. It looks very updated. Same with the side profile. It looks amazing. And then the interior is kind of like uh, very sleek, looks super modern. Well, basically what they did with, with this generation, I guess the newest one, is they changed out the whole dashboard. So it's kind of like a throwback to, I believe, the 70s 911s where they have like the, the crazy, not crazy, but very simple laid out with just one, I guess, basic needle that shows the RPM and speedometer. And it's yeah. it's cleaner, I think. It just, it looks weird though, being in like you have all the new seats, steering wheel, um, everything looks new. And then the, the actual... A speedometer just looks kind of out of place yeah it's it's pretty big like i i just saw it right now it's like a huge speedometer um the entertainment system looks good with the navigation and everything there's a big screen right there yeah the the only thing i don't like is the shifter it looks like a shaver like <laughs> yeah, an electric razor I, I don't know what the who so thought small. of that and who was like okay we'll design this and then they show the guys at porsche like, like all right we're good yeah i feel like when you select it you gotta go like this <laughs> <laughs> it's just a little tiny shifter it's like the uh CLK DTM, if you guys know what that car is. I had a tiny little shift in it. But you can see the side profile is beautiful. It has really good body lines. The back end is very, very beefy looking. Uh, Porsche always does a cool job with the, the rims. They look really futuristic. And you can see that those rotors fill up the whole entire wheel. Yeah. I like how they did the design, like, open enough to show off those rotors. Because I think that's, like, an important selling point for them. Like, 10 piston fronts. That's crazy. Standard. Yeah. Standard. That's I insane. Know. I guess that's why the base price is so high. Yeah. But that's a lot of car for the money. You get the pretty much instant power. There's not much turbo lag on these cars. Porsche's engineered these cars so damn well. Um, I believe this one's probably in guards red. And I like the LED headlights. The headlights are one of the best parts of these cars. I just, uh, I always get confused if I see one behind me. I'm like, oh, it's a 918 because they have the oh, four dots yeah. on it. And I'm like, yeah. oh, it's a 918. And then it's a turbo. I'm like, eh, it's okay though, but thankfully when I saw that it was a exclusive edition, so it wasn't too bad of a, an experience. That's pre that sounds pretty good. I yeah. like those ones. It's really cool. Excuse my voice too. Parker and I've been talking all day. This is the second podcast of the day. It's four o'clock right now, and I'm, I'm. Are you tired right now? Uh, not really. I actually get kind of got like a second like wave of energy, and I'm about to have my second lunch. It's kind of kind of <laughs> dinner. It's four. Yeah. Thanks to our our homie giving us meal prep. We've been eating pretty clean. I just had a. Uh, had a little bit of lasagna with some chicken. Parker, what did you have today? Uh, I had <coughs> spaghetti uh, with the beef sauce. It was like ground beef and a little bit of broccoli in there. Mm. Pretty good. I that like sounds it. nice. So we're going on to a second build. This is the highlight build of the podcast. This is probably going to be my favorite subject so far. Alex owns a 2008 BMW E92. I'm sorry if that's not your name. I just couldn't get much information. And there was a, there was a, a language barrier uh, but his Instagram is here on the screen, dosantos.costa. And he has a beautiful, beautiful race car, 2008 E92, that is completely set up, once again, to go very fast. I'm going to run through all of the uh, the specs on the car, and then we'll start talking about it. Um, 
Car is originally silver underneath. He has a Red Bull livery on the car. It looks like it's a matte blue with white accents throughout the car and some black accents too. He has a, a G-Power SK1 supercharger, 520 horsepower, which may not seem like a lot to a lot of people, but you don't need much power in these cars to make them go fast around the track. There's only, there's only so much uh, speed you can carry into a turn. Um, that really you only get the power in the straights. I don't. I don't think you need a lot of power for these cars. Yeah, and if if that's wheel horsepower too, that's that's a lot of power. That's a ton. Yeah. yeah. Especially like a Mustang Dyno or something. That's really like six hundred horsepower. Yeah. He has the Nitron NTR R three suspension. One thing I've noticed with this is that if you scroll down, Parker, you can see the suspension there. That these ones are really popular on any car that runs Nurburgring. Anything overseas. You notice in our last couple of podcasts that a lot of guys run this setup. Yeah. I wonder what the specialty. Th- it's almost like a JRZ. It seems like. Yeah, I don't I don't know like the specifics. I mean, suspension kind of like the technical aspects of suspension is so hard to learn, you know, like rebound on the springs and like compression, dampening. Yeah. All that stuff is like people study that for their whole lives and become experts on it, which it's something I want to learn, but uh I just haven't found a lot of good information where it's like laid out easily cuz I you know like engineers will design this stuff and it's like super complex. There's a lot that goes into it for sure. And I feel like you have to be very, very, very smart, like engineering wise to understand it too. Yeah. Uh, he's running apex EC seven wheels, which are really nice. I've had those on my car, Michelin tires. He also runs Pirelli slicks with apex ARC eights, which is what I have. Shout out to apex or title sponsor of the podcast. Big brake kit from AP racing 5,000 R six piston. Great setup. That's gotta be so much fun on the track. Um, Full titanium Akrapovich exhaust. That's some big baller money right there. Oh, yeah. Once again, Parker and I, we've both agreed on this. That doesn't sound, that sound is not what I would prefer. Yeah. Akrapovich is not my favorite. I think my favorite for the 92 M3 is IPE F1, which is what you had. And it's like really raspy and just loud and obnoxious, (laughs) which is what I like. So, yeah. Uh, GT4 front lip, carbon fiber canards up front. Bigger engine cooler and oil cooler, GTS wing, and the one and only CAE shifter, one of the best shifters in the world. Alcantara steering wheel, Recaro seats, Auron gauge, I had that too. Uh, has a roll cage, and to finish it off, if you're watching on the YouTube channel or on video, he has an authentic rear window from the M3 GTS, which I believe is lightweight, lightweight window. Hmm. So if you scroll down to see when the car was silver, you can see that he has all the windows out, and he put the oh. M3 GTS windows in there. Interesting. What a, what a unique thing. I bet you the windows weigh a lot, though. Glass is heavy. Uh, I, I'm sure it saved like a couple pounds. I mean, is it plastic or is it, or is it still glass? Like the what do you the one? You I would assume it's it probably with. plexiglass. Yeah, that's my only thought. I'm trying to see in the pictures, but I can't tell. The hardest part was the language barrier. I, I don't think that uh, there there wasn't very much information that I could gather through the DMs. But I yeah. I saw this car um featured online a couple times. And I just had to get more information on it because the the guy doesn't have any picture on his Instagram. <laughs> There's not, he doesn't have any posts. So I was like, I got to feature this car, but he sent me all the information. And, um, I do have to say that this is, this livery is one of the coolest ones I've ever seen. Yeah. It looks really cool. I wonder if he's actually sponsored. I don't know. He has a GTR hood too. I love that hood. Oh yeah. With all the venting. Yeah. That's a super cool custom hood for sure that you gotta, you gotta buy. I don't think you can cut those into the hood because it's custom molded. Yeah. I'm sure it's carbon too. Yeah. So he's got harnesses in there too. It looks like it has navigation. Uh, it has an old iDrive. That's how I knew it was an 08. And I think that's it. But regardless, man, that setup is beautiful. Amazing build. I love the livery. He sent me like 8,000 photos. So if you're watching on YouTube, you can probably see all the content I'm putting up. Uh, I would say roughly 
a $30,000 build, $35,000 build. Yeah, it's super clean. I don't know much about the G-Power superchargers, but I always see them. And they make like crazy kits. I'm pretty sure they make like an 800 kit for this oh my car. God. Or maybe that's for the E60 M5. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I, I don't know. I we um we found a P60 motor build today. That's a 600 horsepower V8, I believe, for the E92. I don't know much about the racing motors, but you best believe that on the next podcast we will have some information on the P60 motor. Yeah, I don't know anything about that. Me so either. But I'm gonna be studying it tonight. So, uh, Parker, let's have you lead this one. Topic number three. All right, so we found a BMW M4 competition uh, in individual. It's called Wildberry. Um, what a crazy color. Yeah, and this car is pretty well set up. It's on uh, H&R Springs, Spacers, has a carbon interior, and uh, looks like it's somewhere in Europe, right? Yeah, so I follow this Facebook page called Unique BMWs for Sale, and they pop up all the time of these crazy builds. And this M4 competition popped up, and I saw the color, and I was like, hold on, wait a minute. It's amazing. It's insane, dude. Yeah. Wildberry. What a, what a perfect name for that color. And it has the brown interior, which is an interesting combo, but I'm sure someone like older probably bought this. Yeah. It's like a very unique and kind of mature color. I would do white interior or all black. Yeah. Something definitely. that I would do white to stand out, but I think black would suit it better. It has 22,000 kilometers, Parker. You know what that is in miles? um not off the top of my head come on dude you lived um, in london for like 33 years i forget <laughs> uh, i'm 21 so <laughs> uh yeah no all right let me do the math you keep talking I'll it's priced at 69,900 cfh whatever that means located in auto men's gmbh at workstat ostalong gristophisasti it's 13.6 thousand miles okay 13,000 miles this thing is slammed. Looks like it has blacked out grills. I love, love, love that front bumper. I think the way the sun's hitting it in some of these pictures is just too good. Yeah, I'm sure it's pretty dark um, in the shade mm-hmm. or like at night. Probably like black. Yeah, I'm sure. But in the sun, sunshine, it's beautiful. I think this is almost like kind of beats the, uh, I think it's called Silk is the other like popular. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Or maybe it's like violet or something. I don't know. There's another popular purple color for the, for the M4. It's like another individual color, but I really like how this is almost like, it's almost red. It has like Like a a reddish hue to it. Yeah. But it's it's, hard to explain. It's sick. I would just do more black interior. It has some carbon in there, but I I see a couple of silver things. Regardless, very cool car. If you want the car, it's an Ostalon Gristoffi Workstat. Whatever that is. (laughs) (laughs) I was was like, what did you just say? Look at where it says it's located. Workstat Ostalon Groff Strassi. Oh, God. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I don't know. It's a very foreign page. So, uh, but regardless, very cool car. Someone's gonna be very lucky. So yeah, this is a, this is a weird topic because Parker and I have done 11 episodes as of this episode and we primarily talk about cars. That's like our main thing. It's just automotive stuff, BMWs in particular. Yeah. But Parker and I have both been through a lot together as far as friends. We both grew up in San Diego. We've known each other for five or six years, if not longer. Um, and I had gone through a pretty weird relationship in my high school time with this girl and also recently with another girl and Parker just got out of a relationship too. And I wanted to talk about how when you work, when you work in, when you have a workplace where you're so close with your friends and your employees that this is kind of the outlet for us Yeah. where when I come in, I can vent to you, you can vent to me Yeah. and there's no issues with it because we're friends. So we get to talk about everything and every aspect of life. 
And one thing that you just went through was a, a long-term relationship. Yeah, I was in a relationship for like uh, three and a half, almost four <laughs> years. Um, and just at the beginning of this year, uh, we went through a breakup, which was definitely hard. But I think it's taught me a lot of good stuff, you know, kind of what I want, what I don't want, uh, valuing kind of my own time and seeing my own worth. And uh, yeah, there's just so much to learn from a breakup and kind of accepting the fact that uh, it is what it is. It is what it, it is. is. What it is, <laughs> and uh, that you kind of just have to take all the things that you learned from that relationship and then build from that. Yeah, because there is so much that you know. It's three and a half years is a long time, and me being pretty young, I've gone through like different phases throughout that period. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I, I am definitely not like, and for me it was like a, it was a good way to end i guess because it wasn't toxic or anything we never like fought about anything it was very it was just kind of like um she needed to work on herself i need to work on myself so it kind of ended in like a very uh, mature way mature way yeah Yeah. so but yeah definitely like every relationship whether it adds on or whether it ends on a you know a bad note or a good note it still hurts like for a long time after Mm -hmm. and uh but yeah I think that you, you that get over you. it eventually. That that builds your character, though. I think when you go through something that's hard, you're, you're able to peel back those layers that you didn't know you had. Yeah, you had to go through that to be like, oh, this is what this feels like. This is what I have to go through. This is what I'm learning. And if you if you take that moment to embrace the negativity that you feel or the the sadness, you start to learn that like you're. I don't want to sound weird, but like you're alive. You're able. You have abilities to go out and do what you want for yourself. You're not. You're not worried about what this person's going to say. This person's going to do. You're yeah. able to have a hundred percent control of your life. Yeah. So I think that's a positive of it. And I was the same way. I had a long-term relationship with this girl that I was in love with. One of my first, like, it was my only love I'd say I'd ever had. And it was the same way. She had to go off to do something on her own. I had just moved to Newport Beach, and it was really hard to go through because you're like, yeah what do I do when I go home after work? Who do I text? Who do I call? And it, right. it hurts, especially if that's your rock and like yeah. that's someone you text. Or not text, but like obviously you go to to vent and talk about other things that may be wrong in your life, and you know suddenly it's it's gone. It's gone. So then yeah. you kind of have to rely on like your homies to kind of give you that. And luckily, I have really great friends that are willing to kind of just listen and talk with me. Yeah. So I've had like people to vent to, and uh, my dad has been a little bit of a help too. So good. Yeah. Well, that's how it should be, and I think if anyone's going through any kind of hardships right now in life with relationships that the best thing you can do is focus on yourself. If you have a business idea or if you want to become a professional gamer or if you want to invent a product or something that that's the time now to take the the time you'd spend with them and focus on you on what you want to do, whether that's working out more or taking care of yourself or oh yeah, anything like that. So look at it as opportunity. Don't be, it's okay to, and the thing too, it's okay to cry. Like I've cried before about it and it hurts a lot, but then you start to realize that, okay, What's the next step I have to take to better my life? So, well, it really does put like fire underneath your feet. Kind of, it kind of motivates you and makes you realize, well, shoot, I'm not in the best shape. I got pretty comfortable in this relationship. And now that I'm on my own, I got to start improving myself, get, get to the best version of myself. Sure. And, you know, cause if you just stay in one spot and stay comfortable, then that's, that's never a good thing not to grow. So you're just going to be stagnant. And then if you have somebody that enables that, you don't have any yeah. reason to be like, okay, let's go. 
Yeah. So. Yeah. So for me personally, like it's really motivated me to start different things and kind of fill up my schedule with, uh, things that make me happy and things that will, uh, kind of help me succeed, you know, whether yeah. that just be like for this next week or the next year, next 10 years. So, and now you see the time that's open for you to do that. Yeah. And once you like kind of realize that there's a lot of good things that come out of it, it doesn't hurt as much, mm-hmm. you know? Well, and so. I think the, the other thing too, it's not going to happen overnight. Like it takes time to get over, not even get over. It takes time to get through that. Yeah. So it's not going to be one night you think of something to do and you're like, okay, I'm going to fill up all my time and the next day it's changed. You got to work into it. So yeah, I would say embrace it. Don't worry so much and, and don't, don't let it get you down, but also realize that it's an opportunity for you to grow as a person. Definitely. Yeah, I agree with that. Parker and I both grew up in San Diego and La Jolla. I grew up in somewhat of like a Pacific Beach and Mission Hills area back and forth and then ended up spending the majority of my time in Pacific Beach and La Jolla, which I, I love so much. I was talking to Parker earlier today. Um, you were down in La Jolla yesterday, right? Yeah, I just went down there to uh, see my family, but we stayed separate, so <laughs> it was good. still safe. Good. Yeah, I... Uh, I want to go to, I haven't been to San Diego since I moved back from Florida. Really? I mean, I live in, you know, in, in Oceanside area. So I'm technically San Diego, but not La Jolla. It's not, you shouldn't go right now because everything's closed. The beaches yeah. are closed. You like, you can drive past, but that's it. Yeah. I, w- I want to go down and check it out, but I wanted to, I guess, since we have a perspective of living in San Diego, I've had a couple of people ask me like, Hey, if I go to San Diego, what should I do? And yeah. I'm always like, Oh, go to La Jolla Cove go to like the coffee shop, you know, go, yeah. to, go to like Riga, Rigoberto's, like whatever. But I want to give people on the podcast an idea of like, if you're not from California and you want to go to San Diego, like how do you tell someone like what San Diego's like besides perfect? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, I don't know. It's super chilled. Uh, Orange County and kind of LA areas like more, like there's more going on and there's more action. I'd say. Yeah. It's more busier. People are like really hustling up here. Um, there's a lot of big businesses that operate out of obviously Orange County and LA. Yeah, we got Manny underneath us and Sparko three blocks that way, McGuire's <laughs> two blocks that way. Exactly. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'd I'd say uh, San Diego is very mellow. And it also depends where you go. You know, there's Coronado, which is gorgeous. A lot of people vacation there. Um, I know there's a lot of people from like Arizona that come to San Diego. That's like their main vacation spot. Yeah. Um, probably some other states like closest too. But yeah, I, I guess you kind of just go for the beaches. That's like the highlight. Yeah, I would say that too. But one of the best things about San Diego is that you have beach access. Like yeah. when you come to Orange County or LA, it's very hard to park at the beach. Yeah. What? <laughs> Why does Siri always <laughs> Siri just on? gave us a definition of a heart. Siri, stop. No. So when you go to La Jolla, you're able to go to like Wind and Sea. You can go um, to Mission Beach. You can go to the jetty. Like you can park your car on the sand, like right there. And you can walk to the beach. Yeah. It's, it's so easy to do that. The access is super nice. And if you, if you follow me for a long time and you watch my photography or my vlogs in the early days at Symbolic, that I would shoot, I would take out a car two blocks. Down, like the, the dealership I was at was on the water. Yeah. And you go one block on the, towards the water and it's like, you can shoot a car at, um, damn, this is sad. I, I forgot the street name. Uh, it's not one way because that's one way. Is Marine Street. Marine Street. Yeah. You go to Marine Street and it's, you can pull a car up and you're at the beach and you can go all the way down the coast, whether you go to the Cove or you go down to Pacific Beach and you go to Bird Rock and there's so many coffee shops. You get an acai bowl every corner 
you you can get little rigobertos like yeah one thing i miss about it out of the five thousand things like all my friends are there a lot of friends i'd love to relink up link up with people again yeah and you can go from la jolla to pacific beach to mission beach to claremont i miss my gym world gym yeah. they changed it to the gym i don't understand what that is now <laughs> i don't understand i don't get it and then uh i don't know all those things you know there's so much you can do in san diego that even downtown i lived downtown on fourth street for a bit just party scene is fun there's always events at the the convention center but overall i just i don't know i want to open up a brook marketing in san diego yeah i think at some point i i like san diego but i feel more productive here and in a sense it's kind of like separate because obviously i grew up in La Jolla. uh like we've never lived anywhere else yeah so to me, it's I definitely take it a little bit for granted because every time I go, I'm like, oh, it's not that special, you know. I know everything. I'm about, the same way too. Yeah, I know everything about La Jolla, but from someone else's perspective, they obviously think it's like an amazing place, like which it is. Yeah. It is, but yeah, it's definitely hard when you grow up there. When you, I mean, this morning I was on the freeway and I'm on the water, like I'm on the coast, and yeah. it's normal to me. But to most people, it's not normal. Yeah. So like, I I know. Growing up in La Jolla, it was very special. And going to school there, both of us in high school, that it was very special to me. And I, I wish I, I don't know if I wish I cherished it a little bit more, but I guess that I took it for granted for sure. And yeah. I became jaded. I'm like, eh, okay, yeah. whatever. Yeah, that's what happens. But it's a beautiful place. If you're thinking about going to San Diego, definitely check out La Jolla. It's La Jolla, if you want to check it out. L-A-J-O-L-A. Beautiful city. There's a lot of cars there. A little bit hard to get in and out, but if you go between Pacific Beach and La Jolla, guaranteed you're going to be blown away at the beaches the weather the girls oh my god yeah, it's the houses it's uh la jolla is uh when you translate it to english it's called the jewel and so, that's exactly what it stands for yeah. yep parker favorite camera let's hear it uh my favorite camera Jeez. topic six topic six is talking about parker and i's favorite camera parker is a professional photographer for a long time mostly landscapes and cars i was a professional photographer for seven to 10 years professionally as a career. And I feel like people want to know more about what we use. Cause I, I, right now we're recording on a really nice camera. Parker has a camera. I have cameras everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. My, my favorite camera. Um, I haven't had a lot of kind of opportunity to explore different ones cause I haven't been shooting as much recently. Um, but right now I shoot on a Canon 60, which has been obviously my, my, uh, favorite camera so far, but I loved your 60 Mark two. Yeah. That was uh, a great camera. I wish I, I probably will upgrade to that or if they come out with a different uh, generation, I'll probably upgrade to that. Um, but honestly, I like your USR. Yeah. I think it's amazing. Like we, we took some photos on that and it looked uh, like really great. Um, if I had all the money in the world, I'd probably get a one uh, DX Mark five or oh whatever God, they're on. Like 6,000 bucks. Yeah. They're, <laughs> they're like so expensive. Jeez. I I'd had to get that. Yeah. I had a Nikon D750 as my main camera with a 24 to 70. I uh, had a VR system in it, which is vibration reduction. So I get pretty good photos. I get really good photos and pretty good video. Um, I shot probably over 100,000 clicks on that setup uh, when I was shooting all of the inventory photography. It was an awesome, awesome setup. It was a large camera, but when you when you had it like in your hand and you're shooting photos with it, it felt so professional. Uh, depth of field was great on it. The shutter speed was crazy, like eight FPS or shutters per second, whatever. Um, I sold that camera a while ago to pay rent. I'll tell that story later on when I started my company. And then when I had the chance, I upgraded to an EOS R, which is what we're filming on right now. This is a 16 to 35, oh no, I don't know, 24 to 70 on this one, um, F4. 
I was I wanted to get the F2, but it doesn't have uh, the vibration reduction. Dude, we're at 28 minutes. Holy crap. I know. we got to end it soon. I had an A7R Mark II, a Sony. I didn't like it because it didn't have a flip-out screen. The 60 was good, Canon 60. It was full frame, but it was too big. I, th- I feel like it was too big of a camera. I tried Lumix. I hated it. Absolutely terrible camera. Would never buy a Lumix camera. Sorry to anyone out there. Um, <laughs> I never cared for custom settings on video. It's always on automatic. My photography was always shutter priority mode. All my edits were in Photoshop and Lightroom. Very, very basic stuff. Same. I, I kept it pretty... Uh pretty simple with my photography and since i did a lot of landscape stuff there i tried not to over edit or anything like that or remove too much because then you start losing the realistic part of it where it's like is this a a photoshop or is this a real picture yeah and i've carried that over to my uh automotive work too so yeah that's my uh that's my favorite stuff and you like that so canon 60 uh i like my canon 60 for sure but i would probably get an eos r yeah or Mirrorless like a one DX or something, yeah. you know, something higher end. Honestly, like the five D Mark IV is probably what I could afford, like right now, to get. I, I like this EOS R. The mirrorless setup is good. It's a smaller body, so you can have a little more portability. Um, the quality is out of control. If you ever watch my feature films, everything's been featured. Everything's been shot on the EOS R, and it's expensive, but for what you get out of it, it is it's absolutely really nice. perfect. Yeah. All right, guys, that was uh, the second podcast of the day. My voice is shot, dude. I've been talking so much today. Uh, I'm going to edit this, get it out hopefully this week. If you guys can, feel free to press the thumbs up button, subscribe. And uh, Parker? Uh, That's about it. We're running out of time. We've got 10 seconds left, I think. Thank Uh, you guys so much for watching. Thank you. Peace. See you next one.